Uh, my name is Mary Beth Walker. I don't work here, but they did ask me to preach today, so I'm excited to be here. Um, at this time, I want to dismiss all of the elementary age students down to their classrooms. You'll have a great time. Student ministry, sit tight. Well, in preparing for my sermon this week, I read about something called decision fatigue. Do, have any of you heard of this concept, decision fatigue? Yeah. Um, well, I didn't know it had a name, but I do, did know that I was suffering from it. And I bet that um, even if you haven't heard of it, that you probably are familiar with the struggle. Did you know that on average, humans make about 35,000 decisions a day? 35,000 decisions, and of those, 242.7 of them are about food. Uh, honestly, I kind of thought that'd be a little bit higher, but um, whatever. We are constantly making these quick decisions, most of which we don't even realize that we're doing. Um, I actually spend like a really obscene amount of time on my Google Maps when I'm driving somewhere, like rerouting, thinking like, could there be a better way? And, and no, there's never usually a better way. We live in Atlanta. Um, but every day I come to the light at Peachtree and West Wesley and I, and I feel like it's this massive decision. Like, am I gonna go straight down West Wesley or will I take a left on Peachtree? And, and as I'm getting there, I'm getting kind of anxious thinking like, what am I gonna do? And, and, and it doesn't matter, like it's a difference of a minute, but that decision feels really huge. It, it's almost like you would think I'm trying to decide what college to go to, whether I'm going straight or left. It's like not a big deal. But some of us do actually have to make truly big decisions, and these can really seem overwhelming. These constant decisions can start to wear us down, and they are exhausting. And if you're like me, at a certain point in your day, you get to that dreaded question, what are we gonna have for dinner? And it can literally bring you to tears. It's like, I, I don't know, I, I just don't know. And it's not that I can't figure out what to cook or more likely where to pick up from. Um, it's just at that point in the day, I'm exhausted. I'm done making decisions. I've spent all day trying to make decisions. I just can't do it anymore. Which, by the way, um, the answer to what's for dinner, it's always tacos. I don't know why, that's always the answer. Whenever you're in that place, it's tacos, just eat tacos. But I think many of us actually feel this way, overwhelmed at all the choices in life. And some of these small decisions can feel like death by a thousand cuts, where we are just run down and we can't decide anymore. And some of us are faced with big, monumental decisions that can be so scary that they do feel paralyzing. For myself, sometimes I wish that God would just speak clearly in those big decision moments, or at the times um, that I don't know what to do, I wish God would say, this is what to do, like God tended to do in the Bible. Does anyone else feel that way? Like, don't we wish that God would just speak loudly and audibly so that we always knew that we were making the right choice? Well, this summer, we have been in a sermon series looking at Hebrews 11, at this list of these just really great and powerful Old Testament characters. And we've been looking at them to try to figure out what can they teach us about how to be faithful in our life today as Christians in 2023. This morning, we're going to look at the early life of the prophet Samuel. 
to remind us of how to be a faithful servant of God. But before we read our text for today, would you pray with me? God, we ask that you would speak to us today. Open our ears to hear your words and allow us to be faithful listeners. God, would your presence be real in this space this morning? Would you draw near and remind us of the goodness of your love? And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, our text this morning comes from 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 through 10. I think it'll be up. Oh, there it is. It's up on the screen. I'll read it out loud for us. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli, and he said, Here I am. You called me? But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went back and lay down. Again, the Lord said, Samuel. And Samuel got up, went to Eli, and said, Here I am. You called me? My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up, went to Eli, and said, Here I am. You called me? Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I love this story, and I'm excited to talk about it. Did you know that, notice that at the beginning of the passage, it said, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. It's a helpful context clue to what's going on in Israel at that time. Um, and it also kind of paves the way for a dramatic finish at the end, um, when the Lord's voice is not rare anymore. But maybe you feel like the voice of the Lord is rare right now. Maybe you relate to this passage because God feels distant, and you feel like God might not be speaking to you. Maybe you are in a season where you are unsure of where God is in your life, and the idea of God speaking directly and audibly, as God does with Samuel, feels totally foreign. I'm, I'm somehow comforted by the fact that the passage starts off by saying that the voice of the Lord was rare. It assures me that it is normal to have those seasons where God feels distant and where we are unsure of where God might be leading us. But that verse does make me curious. Was God the one who was distant? Or were the people just not attuned to hear God's voice? Was it that God was not speaking during this time? Or were the people just unsure of how to listen? 
Notice that God repeats Samuel's name over and over and over again in this passage. And I think sometimes we feel like we have to make the right decision the first time. Or if we miss God's message to us, if God is is speaking to us and we don't hear it, then that's it, God's done with us, God moves on, and we're just kind of on our own. But this passage reminds us that God is patient with us. God does not get upset or annoyed with Samuel for going to Eli instead of knowing right away, oh, this is God speaking to me. And actually, uh, kudos to Eli for not getting super annoyed by being woken up so many times in the middle of the night. Um, I don't take too kindly to being woken up in the middle of the night. Maybe can learn something from Eli here. But God continues to call us regardless of our circumstances or how long it might take for us to listen. God continues to pursue. God does not get annoyed like I do. Like uh, when I say my kid's name over and over and over and over again. And every time I'm saying it louder and louder and I'm getting more frustrated. And then, and, and it, you know, no, that's not what God does. God, God's just like, Samuel, Samuel. And God does not make snarky comments about how long it took Samuel to respond, which might be a little different than how I do when my kids finally answer me. Instead, God continues to call Samuel until Samuel responds. God does not move on, and God does not give up on Samuel. This reminds me of an often told story of a, of, it's called the parable of the drowning man. And it's not in the Bible, uh, but it was referenced on an episode of West Wing, so do with that what you will. Um, in this story, which actually has many versions, it's said that there's a man who is on his roof during the middle of a huge flood. And the, the rain is coming down, the water is getting higher and higher, and the man is on his roof and he calls out and he says, God, please save me. I need to be rescued. I have faith that you will save me. And so then, uh, right then, a canoe comes by, and the person in the canoe is like, hey, get in the canoe. And the guy's like, no, 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 God's going to rescue me. I'm good. And so then, next, uh, another boat comes by, and the person says, get in. And he says, no, I have faith. God is going to rescue me. And so the the boat goes on. And then the third time, a helicopter now comes and is like, get in, we're here, we're here to help. And and he's like, no, I have faith. God is going to rescue me. Well, then the man ends up drowning and goes to heaven. And he goes to heaven and he says, Lord, why didn't you rescue me? I thought I had faith. And God looks at him and says, I sent two boats and a helicopter. What more do you want? Yeah, it's slightly humorous, but what it highlights for us is that God does not lack creativity, and that God is not going to continue pursuing us and sending things to help us be aware and notice where God is in our lives. God does not just have only one way to interact with us, and if we miss that boat or that signal from God, then that's it. God finds us where we are, and God works in creative and unique ways to interact and engage with us. God knows us intimately, and God knows how to reach us. And I know that um, I've asked this question before, and I think it's a natural one to ponder after we read a passage like the one in 1 Samuel. The question of, how do I know that it's God speaking and not just my own desires or my own voice or my own conscience? Or how do I know what is of God and what is of me, or maybe what is the other people around me talking? And I think the more that we allow space for God to speak to us, 
the easier it will be for us to discern God's voice from our own or from those around us. In verse 10, Samuel prays a bold prayer. He says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. This interaction reflects a conversation. Samuel is present and willing to hear what God has to say. Samuel's name, actually, in Hebrew, means God hears. You see, Samuel's mother, Hannah, was unable to have children, and for many years, um, she was surrounded by friends and family who were um, growing their families, um, and Hannah's sorrow was great. But so was her prayer life. She was a mighty prayer She prayed so fervently for a child that Eli, the same priest from our story, actually accused her of being drunk. Imagine praying with such abandon that it appears that you've had too many glasses of Chardonnay. Well, God hears Hannah's prayers and listens to the cries of her heart. And even though it didn't happen in the timeline that she wanted or maybe in the way that she had been expecting, eventually Hannah had a child. And she named him Samuel. God hears. God heard Hannah, and God hears us. How appropriate that now in this story, Samuel is now listening to God. We can listen for God because, as Samuel's name reminds us, God listens and hears us. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Not only does Samuel listen to what God has to say to him, But in his response, Samuel calls himself a servant, implying that he will do whatever it is that God asks of him. And this is probably the most uncomfortable part of the text, at least it is for me. To be faithful means we not only need to listen, but we need to be obedient to what God is saying to us. We can listen to God all we want, But to actually go and do the thing that God is leading us to is actually very difficult. Listening and obeying are two very separate things. Like, I listen to my kids all the time, but that does not mean that I give them the things that they're asking for. If I did, they would have had ice cream this morning for breakfast, and we would have watched the Super Mario Brothers movie 462 times by now, which is how many times they've asked me to watch that movie. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Samuel's bold prayer reminds us that it's not just enough to listen, but we need to be open to where God is calling us to serve. I know for myself in this passage, I don't really gravitate or get excited about the word servant. It feels negative and kind of antiquated. The idea of being a servant is not exactly one that I'm jumping to claim for myself. The word servant maybe is not one that we love, however, the notion of service is very biblically sound. As Christians, we are all called to serve. We are all called to be servants of God. When I was going through the ordination process, which felt like it lasted 27 and a half years, um, I was constantly, it wasn't, it was three, but it felt longer. Um, I was constantly asked this question, when were you called into ministry? This This is a good question. And I bet our PNC has been asking this question of people a lot. When were you called to serve? When were you called to follow God in this specific way? When did you first hear the word of the Lord speaking to you? 
This question implies that everyone uh, will have an answer. And if you do want to get ordained or work in a church, you need to come up with an answer. Just, yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a good question. And I love hearing people's stories of when they were called. Sometimes there are these one specific moment where like, boom, something happens and then their life is changed and altered and they feel guided into ministry. Sometimes though, for others and myself, it's a slow process of discerning and just taking one step after the other and feeling encouraged and guided to ministry. The interesting thing though is that I don't think this is a question we ask all people outside of ministry. Like, to my knowledge, Ryan has never been asked when he felt called to finance. In regular non-ministry interviews and conversations, the questions imply, what are the decisions that you have made that have led you here? Whereas the questions in ministry are, where has God been leading you? And when and how have you listened to that call on your life? For Christians, though, we are all called to service regardless of our vocation or what we do day in and day out, we all have a call on our lives. We are all invited to serve and carry out God's mission in the world. We are all called to listen for where God is leading us and for who God has placed before us to love and serve. There is no formula for this, and sometimes it can be difficult for us to understand where we are called to serve because God speaks a different thing for each one of us. God calls us all to different places, puts different causes or missions or things that we care about on our hearts, and God calls us to love all different people. So what God might be calling Mark into is going to be different than what God is calling Mary Jane into. We know that the overarching things, though, that God calls us all into, we are all called to love, to forgive, to bless, to proclaim the gospel, to give generously, to fight against injustices. These are all good things for all of us. And I believe that God is calling each one of us to something more specific and more unique for us. For example, I know that we all are called to forgive, right? Like that's something that we all are like in agreement on of like, yeah, forgiveness is a good thing. Yes, I, one head nod, thanks Charlotte Marie, yes. Forgiveness is a good thing. We know as Christians we are called to forgive. That's the general. But maybe for you today there is one specific person or one situation that God is calling you to step into with forgiveness. God speaks in the general for all of us and God speaks in the specific to each one of us. It's our job to listen for what God is speaking to us and to step into that calling with the heart of a servant. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. For Samuel, God did not ask something easy of him. Sometimes serving God is uh, not easy. In fact, I would say it's most of the time not easy. When I was in youth ministry, I would often say to the kids, I would say, oh, Jesus never said that following him would be easy, but it would be worth it. Which I never, I didn't come up with that. Someone else wiser and smarter said that to me, but I would say it to these kids as if I was like the embodiment of wisdom. But I think there's some truth there. God calls us to places or people who are difficult. Some, sometimes God calls us to places that are uncomfortable. If we keep reading our story in 1 Samuel 3, we will hear that God did not ask something easy or comfortable for Samuel. 
in verse 11, God says to Samuel, basically, he says, hey, I am going to destroy the family of the priest Eli. You see, because Eli's sons, they'd basically like, gone nuts. They had like, become obsessed with power. Um, they were out of control, and they had abused their power since their dad was the high priest. And the big issue here was that uh, Eli, the priest, had done nothing to stop them or rein them in. So God tells Samuel, I am going to judge Eli and his family harshly. God, could you imagine being Samuel, being a boy and getting that message about your mentor, about the person that you are currently learning from and living with? So after hearing this message, Samuel tries to go back to sleep. But our scripture says that he is afraid to share the news. He's conflicted. He's anxious. And we, the reader, are almost wonder if Samuel is going to share the news with Eli. Well, the next morning, Eli calls to Samuel, and again, Samuel says, here I am. And Samuel, and, and Eli says, well, what, what did God <clears throat> ask of you? And there was a long pause, and you can kind of feel that trepidation, that nervousness from Samuel. And to his credit, Eli asked for Samuel to, sit, to tell him everything, even if it is severe. I almost wonder if Eli knew what was coming. So Samuel shares everything that God had told him about the destruction of Eli's family. Eli, again to his credit, accepts this word spoken from God through the prophet Samuel. And the next verse says, The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. Sometimes listening and obeying God means having to have difficult conversations. Sometimes it means having to say the thing that you really wish you didn't have to say. Sometimes it means standing up to someone. Sometimes it means learning how to speak and when to speak up and trusting that God will speak through you. Sometimes listening, obeying God means that we are uncomfortable. This is a cycle we see often in scripture. God calls out to someone the person listens and then usually responds with some type of uh, like reluctance or nervousness and is like, ooh, I don't think so. And then God affirms them and then promises to be with them and then they, they end up doing the right thing and all is great, happy story. But it's not always so easy or comfortable to do or go to the places where God has called you to ask and serve at first. But in my experience, wherever God has called me, I have eventually found joy. Uh, about two years ago, I got a call from my friend Catherine, and she said, hey, we need a chaplain um, to come and fill in a few days at this senior living community Canterbury Court. Would you be interested? And I, um, I just graduated seminary, and I literally had nothing to do. So I was like, yes, I, I can't, I mean, what else am I gonna do? So yes, I, I will go and do that. Um, and I worked a few days here and there, and then they ended up asking me to come back for a few more days, which was great, that's lovely. Um, but the problem was, I did, I did not like it. I often felt that I didn't know what to do or say with the residents. I had been used to my whole career in ministry, I'd been working with teenagers and elementary school students. I felt like, what am I supposed to say to someone 50 years my senior? People would actually come by the office, they'd like walk in the office of the chaplain and, and they, would, they would see me and I'd, I'd be like so excited. I was like, hey, do you wanna talk? And, and they'd be like, no, I'll wait for the other regular chaplains to be here. And I'd be like, cool, 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 cool. And, and it was fine, but except for it wasn't, but it was fine. 
I actually started to kind of dread the days where I have to go in and work. Um, I'm slightly dramatic, so that, that's, not norm that's normal. But I, I kept thinking, this is not where I'm supposed to be. This is just, this is not it. But then something happened, and it was slow, and it was gradual, but all of a sudden I started to feel more comfortable, started to know people's names and hear their stories. I started to feel like, oh, I actually do maybe have something to say to someone. And now, um, if you talk to me about Canterbury Court, I will literally not shut up about how much I love it. Now I work full time, and I look forward to going every day, and it's like been the greatest joy and surprise of my life. My point, though, is that sometimes God calls us to places that we are not sure about. And if it is truly where God wants us to be, or who God wants us to be engaging with, we need to be patient with ourselves, trusting that God will allow our heart to catch up. Sometimes when we talk about this passage, or any time that we talk about a time of bold prayer, um, we, we get kind of nervous, worried that God is going to call us somewhere where we don't want to go. And for some reason, people say, I just don't want God to call me to be a missionary in Africa. I get it. I get that. That's legit. Africa's very far away. And here's the thing. I do think that God calls people to be missionaries all over the world. But I also think God is calling us to be kind to someone at Kroger. I think that's also missional living and serving God. We can trust, though, that wherever God is calling us, whoever God is calling us to, God will not abandon us. Pursuing our calling, again, which will be specific and different for each one of us, is the way that God has invited us to live, in partnership with God. Samuel and God, throughout the, the story of First and Second Samuel, they're almost like teammates doing work together. And how incredible is it that God chooses us to be in relationship with, that we are invited to do God's work and mission in the world. When God first called Samuel, it was to have a tough conversation with Eli. And God continued to speak through Samuel as a prophet, and at times Samuel had to have more difficult conversations. But he also got to be a part of some amazing things that God was doing at that time. Samuel was the one that got to go out and find the shepherd boy, David, in the field and anointed him as the future king of Israel. As he listened to God, Samuel played a pivotal role in Israel's history. And I believe this can be true for us. That if we listen to where, what God is saying to each one of us, that we can change our communities and that we can change the world in big and in small ways. God is calling each one of us into something far greater than what we could ever ask or imagine. The question is, are we listening to the voice of God? And if we are, are we willing to trust that the Lord and follow where he might be calling us to serve and who he might be calling us to love? For a life of faith, we learn from Samuel that we are all called to listen and to serve. So this week, I invite you to pray this simple prayer. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Amen.